following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Welcome to the Dell Junior Download. It is yours truly, Kelly Earnhardt Miller. This is actually a little bit uh, different segment, the business of motorsports. This is something that I have I've wanted to do with you for a long time. Do business-related podcasts. Do business-related episodes. Open chats, right? Open yeah. chats about the business concerns of our industry, which there are many. I hope this um, series opens people up to the, the broader, bigger picture. All right, welcome to the Bojangle Studio. It's Kelly Miller here with Mike Davis, and we are on our part three of Business of Motorsports, Mike. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Business of Motorsports. I love the series that we've been doing. I love having you at this table. It's so insightful, and I think we got a good one today, don't we you? We have a really good one. So, this has been teed up on Dale's show. He really, I think he really wanted to do this um, specific podcast but here we are, you and I. Yep. Um, we're going to make it happen. So uh, today's podcast and, and story is going to be so fascinating. Um, you know, and and the cool thing here, too, is not just um, a business and motorsports story, and it's going to be on licensing, but it's an Earnhardt story. Yeah. I mean, you can't mention the word NASCAR souvenirs without thinking about specifically Dale Earnhardt. Your dad. Right? That's yeah. right. So today we've got Joe Mattis. Um, he's going to be our ally guest today. And um, Joe is just been entrenched for, gosh, uh, more than 25 years um, in this rich motorsports uh, souvenir history. And he has some great stories, some fun stories, um, probably even some sad stories, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, um, through his career. So it's a roller coaster for sure. But if if you're listening to this podcast and you have bought a NASCAR T-shirt, I'm not even talking about an Earnhardt shirt. I'm talking anything. about anything, a, a, a die cast, anything. Joe Mattis probably had something to do with it. Yeah. That's how big. And it, it, again, from the '90s all the way to the 2000s, he's he's basically been a titan in the souvenir merchandising industry. And Dale Jr., like you said, he goes, if y'all want to tell a story, a business story, you need to do it on the merchandise and the roller coaster that that has been. Because at its boom, at its height, oh my gosh. It was, was unreal. The- I mean, I am fortunate enough to have been part of Joe's story. So right. I came to work for Joe in 1995 uh, as he took over the reins of Sports Image. And we'll get into that. I'm sure, you know, he'll get into that story and we'll, and we'll talk about that. Um, and uh, so he's been a huge mentor for me. I was in the throes in the mid-90s until I left um, there in 2001 of the licensing business. I know how passionate he is. He's the number one person I had on my radar whenever we left Ellen Hart Incorporated and, and started building Junior Motorsports. And um, I know some of the stories I can remember um, uh, at the height of we were we were in this building off of Harris Boulevard in Charlotte and at the height of race weeks and the height of everything we have going on we literally were in the parking lot with boxes and pallets just unpacking and shipping orders and pick pack and ship that was what we were doing right. and um, it was insane so I'm excited there's there's a lot of um, probably the back end history that I don't know of you know how he came here and, and some of the inside stories but I'm super excited to uh, have him in here today and and uncover some of those things and and really think about it from my perspective as I was sitting 
on another side of it and what he was going through. Right. So I'm, I'm super excited. Depending on how much he wants to tell us, this could end up being a two-parter. We'll see. Uh, that, you know, We'll see how long we go. But I can tell that just in knowing the outline and the history, we could divide this into a Dale Sr. and a Dale Jr. episode. Like a Dale Sr. is part one, Dale Jr. is part two. Because like you said, when you brought him over here, um, I think it was like 2007, mm-hmm. 2008, something like that. Um, yeah, uh, Dale Jr. was making this kind of big announcement, right? Yeah. He yeah. was leaving the family <laughs> company. I remember the paranoia that we all had. Like, we didn't know what to expect. Were the fans going to revolt? Wait, we haven't even announced that he, where he's going. What? There's two parts to this story. And then what would happen with the merchandise? Because Dale Jr., as everybody would assume, did quite well in that space. He did quite well. He sold a lot of merch. And uh, a lot of people listening to this show probably still have, have some, you know? Absolutely. So, um, Joe, I cannot wait to get him in here. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm I'm super excited about it. You know, that particular time that you were talking about was like a a nine month yes. um, time frame of trying to figure out what we were doing and all those announcements. And Joe was a big part of that. And in fact, um, funny story uh, when I unfortunately got sick that year in the beginning of 2007 and was in the hospital, and we literally interviewed. In Presbyterian Hospital in Charlotte. Oh, wow. See, I didn't even know that. Wow. <laughs> For him to, uh, yeah, it was like, we're going to make this happen. So uh, that's some dedication right there uh, just for the entire company, but uh, good stuff. Well, listen, Less you're breaking. so much part of the story, so I, I, I'm going to be equally interested in some of the things that you remember and some of the things that, because you're right, you're 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 paralleling uh, with Joe a lot of times, you know, with him hiring you at the uh, souvenir company and then also you hiring him at Junior Motorsports. So let's do it. You let's ready? do it. Yeah. Let's bring in our ally guest, Joe Mattis. Welcome, Joe. Ready for this? I was thinking um, of the 30-year history, and um, there's so many highs and there's so many deep lows. And uh, we, but, we were just talking about that. And uh, I'll, I'll try to uh, focus on the highs. <laughs> hey, you well, it wouldn't do. be the right story if you don't sprinkle in with a little of everything, right? Uh-huh. So... Joe Mattis, here at the table. We're excited about this Business of Motorsports podcast. Um, we talked about how this was uh, uh, super fascinating to Dale, and he thought that he really wants to be in this seat doing the talking. Uh, but I'm so glad this is one of our Business of Motorsports episodes. So let's just start at the top. Um, you, uh, you, I mean, from my perspective, I know how you got here, but let's talk about uh, your background and kind of where you came from and how you got involved in this NASCAR souvenir business. Okay, I came from a heavy accounting and business background. My first job was with Certainty Corporation in um, Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, and I was a budget and cost analyst, which is sort of what I still yes. play with numbers. <laughs> You're still every... a budget and cost analyst. Yeah, I still play with numbers. <laughs> and then I, um, I, I went on to um, their headquarters in King of Prussia, and I was a financial analyst, and we reviewed all the marketing and sales promotions they're fiberglass insulation. So so they would sell in a major program, and our job was to do the analytics um, from it. So it was heavy, heavy concentrate on that. Um, but then I had a weird change early in life. Um, my neighbor calls me, who was really good, and he said, hey, we need a controller in the bank. You want to be a bank controller? Um, which is really 
a very boring job. <laughs> <laughs> but it was back in my hometown, and um, I already had one baby, going to have another baby. And where's your hometown? Uh, Ringtown, Pennsylvania. Okay. So uh, this was in Shenandoah, and I, so I said, yeah, I'll be a bank controller. And um, I ended up being the bank controller with about 20 women upstairs doing numbers, and it was painful. <laughs> the mean, banking or being tw- around 20 women? Well, both. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is going to rotary meetings, and I said, I got to get out of here. So I went back, and I called my dad. I said, hey, Dad. And I worked with my dad a lot in, in the injection molding business ahead of time from 14 on, but I wanted to be my own. I didn't want to go to work for my dad. I didn't want to go out of college and, hey, Dad, I need a job. Um, that bank controlling job made me call my dad and said, hey, I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, and I, he said, well, you're going to have to come back and um, start at the bottom. I said, that's fine. I just need a job. And um, so I was corporate controller, and they had facilities all over. And eventually it, it grew a lot, and um, we made hangers for the garment industry, and we had plants in Forest City, North Carolina, um, Ringtown, Pennsylvania, Long Island City, all the way um, Texas and um, Santa Ana, California. And um, we were like hanger king of, uh, of it all. And, you know, we had patents. We went with retailers, and, and these retailers, we had them um, spec our hanger, which forced the manufacturers to use our hanger. So, you know, they would go. It was a good it was a garment industry. So um, um, learning the streets. Um, my dad put me in Perth Amboy, New Jersey, in a warehouse um, to run distribution into the city. So you would run trucks into the garment industry. And um, little Polish boy in the Jewish industry, um, it was an interesting um, <laughs> um, um, training. And then all along, and eventually, um, we had a lot of equity ownership, and we went public. And um, they were aggressive. And my dad was pretty high up from a manufacturing standpoint. And from a business standpoint, I, I start getting heavily involved in all aspects. And um, um, I came to North Carolina as assistant plant manager, and then I went to California. Um, place was losing a ton of money, and they said, send your son out there, and um, if he could fix it, fine. If not, we'll shut him down. So we fixed it, and I was 28, and we did it start working. So they said, um, we got to get out of California because of the environmental problems, the financial problems, and we went to Tijuana, Mexico, and from dirt, um, literally from dirt, we built this factory you know, 80,000-square-foot factory, and we had this, and um, we were in Takati assembling, and um, from um, from literally dirt, my father and I um, built this $45 million company. Good heavens. And, um, and then got up and running and going, and they're like, what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> who's going to run it? And my, my dad said, my son will. And my wife says, she's getting out of California. By now, I had four kids. I've moved six times in nine years, and I have four daughters, and I'm never home. And I'm in Tijuana. I'm making hangers. And um, (laughs) that wasn't going to go. And um, we were producing, between all the factories, three and a half, four million hangers a day. Wow. And um, it it was just, my dad said, what are you going to do? We built this. I'm like, I'm out of here. And um, he said, you can. I said, I am. So I went told him I'm leaving the company, and my dad is extremely mad at me. And um, he said, okay, he told the owners, send my son back to Pennsylvania, let him run my factory, and I'll stay here. So from age 61, 62, and 63, my dad lived in Tijuana and um, ran a factory. 
Um, and then that was, and we got into sales and all that, and, and um, we were doing pretty good. And then I'm randomly in Pensacola, Florida. After I get all that done, I'm randomly in Pensacola, Florida, and you would, uh, we start selling because we were making all these hangers. I was complaining about the sales department. They're not selling them fast enough. You make three and a half million a day, you have to put them somewhere. And my boss said, um, you got a problem with the sales department? I said, yeah. He said, well, what do you want to do about it? I said, I want to run it. Mm. So then I became the sales guy, um, um, selling those hangers that my dad was making, everyone else, all these factories. And um, so I'm in Pensacola, Florida, and to get a sale, like anything, you have to take someone to dinner. I'm taking this guy and his wife and his daughters out. And every six months I go there and I get 10 truckloads of hangers, but it cost me a dinner, and that's how I got the business. And um, um, there was really no iPhones and all of that, so I called my wife, and I said, um, it was like December 13th of 94. I said, man, I'll be home tomorrow. Um, it was two weeks I was always on the road. And she said, well, Don's been calling you. Apparently Dale Earnhardt bought a company, and he needs someone to run it that doesn't know a thing about NASCAR, but just knows business. No, wait, who, who's Don? Don Hawk was Dale, um, yeah. Dale's business, business manager. manager. Yep. Yeah. And did y'all know Don Hawk? My Is... wife and Don's wife are sisters. <laughs> there we go. I, I knew Cindy. I knew Don, like, you know, who's you know, Don, but I really knew Cindy from, they lived in our hometown. Yeah. Um, and um, So said, at this point, how long had you been at the hangar business with your dad? 12 what years. Was that? 12 years, okay, okay. 12 years, okay. yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, he was president, and he was going to be 65, and he was going to retire, and I was, you know, executive vice president, and I was going to be president. And you, where you were poised to take over. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then where it's $125 million, $140 million, depending on the seasonality of it all, business. It was a real business, and um, they're going to make him president as, 60, as he was 65 on his way out for his, for his 30-some years in the business, and um, well, Junior was going to take over. Hmm. And so life was good and all of that. Um, and then Marcy's like, Cindy really thinks it's a good job. <laughs> Cindy really wanted Marcy to come down here. Ah, <laughs> uh, the sisters. Yeah. Sisters. yeah she wanted sisters. her sister down here. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I'm like, I didn't know anything about NASCAR. Um, I mean, I don't, I knew Dale Earnhardt cause I'm a sports guy. And you're from Pennsylvania. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I was, you know, and I'm like, I have zero interest in that. Well, you just got to hear him out. And, um. Call Don when you're done and talk to him. So I got done the dinner. I got my purchase order. Oh, you still <laughs> got the sale. You, you, you <laughs> got to get the sale done. You got to ask for the purchase order. And I called Don. He's like, hey, man, there's a tremendous opportunity. Marcy says you're working 70, 80 hours a week. This is an easy job. And you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you should just talk. I said, well, I'm flying into Charlotte tomorrow from Pensacola on Piedmont Airlines back then. And uh, we'll pick you up. And, and I was like, who's going to pick me up and what am I going to do? And he said, we'll pick you up. And I, I get to the airport, and there's a guy with a beard holding a sign, Joe Mattis. And the first day I met Rick Boss. <laughs> oh, my heavens. Okay, real quick, Kelly, tell yeah, us so who Rick, Rick Boss is. Yeah, so Rick Boss is a... Uh, uh, veteran uh, member of the Dale Earnhardt team. And so he worked for my dad. He was one of my dad's childhood friends growing up in Kannapolis and worked for my dad, then subsequently came over and worked for, for Junior Motorsports until his retirement. So he was like a 35, 40-year employee. Yeah, one of your dad's closest Rick friends. Boss, right? yeah. his closest friends. Yeah, so I have my um, suit on and my uh, shine shoes because I'm a traveling salesman. 
and all of a sudden I'm taking this trip with Rick Boss. And it was like, it was an experience. I mean, like, what am I doing? And, and Rick's Rick. Yeah. Rick's just a good old boy from Kannapolis. Yeah. yeah. Is he saying yeah. anything to you? you Pro- yeah. Where are you from? <laughs> Pennsylvania. You Yankee. And, you know, wh- why are you here? I mean, they just told me to pick you up. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and, and, and that, you know, that really made me. Um, you didn't look like a racing guy. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no not at all. Um, <laughs> and um, so I get to that little brick house yeah. um, where Dale ran his business, and uh, Teresa's sitting on the couch, and Dale, and um, he said, come on in. And it was just those two, and I, I come in. And, you know, This is the 14th of December, right? And um, he said, you got um, your resume? I'm like, you called me. I didn't call you. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have a resume. I didn't, I didn't have a resume in my briefcase. You, you had a purchase order for some hangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I said, no. And he said, um, well, how are we going to know about you? I'm going to just ask me anything you want. He said, okay, who you work for, blah, blah, blah. And um, he said, would the president of the company be mad if he knew you were here? I said, here's his number. Call him. <laughs> it's your dad. No, no, yeah. it's Cliff Dupree. I oh, mean, it was. At, at That's that point, right. You're letting your dad yeah, quite yeah. yet. And um, I called Cliff. And, um, and ask him what kind of guy I am. That's how you're going to get to know me. And he's like, what else could you do? I said, well, the union just voted two times to go on strike, and um, we just got that settled. Um, call the guy from the union. Here's his number. And um, ask him how I handled people. He said, they voted to strike twice? I said, yeah, we got lucky. They finally voted yes. <laughs> We're glad we got that done before Christmas. And then he just went through everything and um, – just drilling down, and, and I kept on saying, why? Well, you know, why me? What, what do you want? I mean, how does this work? I said, I don't know a thing about NASCAR. He said, I'm going to teach you everything you know about NASCAR. I don't want you to learn from anyone else. I want you to run my business, and I want you to make sure we're doing everything the correct way. And, um, and then Teresa had a medley of theoretical questions on cash and inventory and approvals and all those things that were important to her and massive a lot of hypothetical and with my background that was like riding a bike yeah there's <laughs> like there's nothing i had to be prepared you know how would you do business um based on these parameters okay here's how you do it and it was like two minute answer mm-hmm. and, it, and okay what else and, and you know what else you want to ask me and on and on and on Massive amount of questions, and it was good, and, and finally it was like two and a half hours. Wait a second. Is Dale is, is Dale's Dale engaged? Pa- he's engaged. So when Teresa's firing away at you, he's you know not, not dozing off or anything like that. He's, he's engaged the whole time. Yeah, it's two and a half hours. It was real engagement. And, and real quick, what year is this? 94. 1994. 1994. And, and what, what little house are you talking about? Yeah, so in front of DEI, um, the big DEI now, when my dad bought that as a farm— off Highway 3, there was a little brick, one story, you know, I probably built in the 50s, 40s, something of that nature, house where they housed their office. So that was Don Hawk's office. Teresa had an office. Um, Daryl Barker, who's our um, chaplain here now, um, had an office. He was, uh, he ran accounting and all those kind of things. Amy Hallman. Amy Hallman. Yep. So, so this was their office and, um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that's where they did business. And, um, and then my dad built the deer head shop that so many people talk about, which is where the Bush team uh, at the time, you know, 
lived and the workers would, the guys would come over in the evenings and work after their day jobs and whatnot. And then you had Dell and Hart Incorporated that got built, what, 97-ish? Is the brick mm. house still there? Yeah. Or is it, no. uh, is the is big it? shop built on top of it? The brick house is gone because that house is where Junior Motorsports was when we first went there. That section okay. was where the brick house was. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. So the brick house is gone. Yep. All right. The, um, okay, so... Now we have the setting here. All right, so they, they go at you for about two, two and a half hours, you say? Yeah, and then they'll, Teresa, are you done? And he really gave her the opportunity to ask everything, and she's like, yeah, I'm done. He said, okay, Matt, let's get in the truck, <laughs> which I don't know what that means. I got in the truck, and he started driving around the farm, and he would drive a little bit and turn it off. What's important to you in life? And, and you know, just asking me life questions. I said, okay. What's important to you in life, Dale? So every time he asks me a question, I mean, we're, in, we're, we're interviewing each other at this point in time. Yeah. I have a real good job. And if I take this job, my dad's going to be real mad at me. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, so I, um, so it was good. It was interesting. And, and that was like an hour and a half plus. And, and then we get to the chicken coops at yeah. the other end of the farm. Yep. You know anything about chickens? And he's Mattis right away, you know, you know, not Joe, Mattis now. And, I said, no, I, I know chicken farms, but I mean, what do I need to know about them? He, he, he said, well, put your head in there. And uh, I had these wingtips on. He said, put your head in there and just just count. Let's just see how good of a counter you are. How many, <laughs> how many chickens do you think is in this coop? I mean, I'm like, oh, I put my head in there. As soon as I got there, he pushes me in. And <laughs> gets your wingtips dirty. Oh, full of chicken crap. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's Do me. you have to go back to the airport at this point yeah. to get home? Yeah. No. <laughs> and then he's laughing. He's, you mad at me? I'm so not mad at you. He said, we got to wash them off. I said, yeah, we got to wash them off. And um, so that was it. And then, you know, that was the end of the interview. And boom, 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 I go back home. I want to go back to the car rides, the truck rides, because the truck rides, I think that that was dad's favorite place to like have those conversations. There's not anybody that he did business with or brought to the race team. If you talk to Steve Park or any of these people that didn't go on a truck ride, mm. everybody went on a truck ride and Dell and I went on truck rides at times whenever there were, you know, serious conversations to be had. And you rode around the farm. There were old logging roads around the farm. And then of course he put roads in as well. And you rode around the farm and, you know, you might stop and look at the cows and have mm -hmm. a question or whatever, or stop at the old home site where we used to look for um, uh, arrowheads and things like that. Or, you know, eventually there was a barn. There was the chicken coops. He was a Purdue chicken farmer. So, um, yeah. He was a Purdue yeah. chicken farmer. Yeah. Four chicken houses. I guess that makes uh, sense. Yep. I mean, there are chicken houses, big yep. ones, yep. as a matter yep. of fact. Wow. So at this point, Joe, do you think there's no way you're taking this job? Do you think I have no choice? Do you think you're a hostage at this point and stuck in a chicken house? What, what, what are you thinking? I just went home and there's so many endless questions. And I just said, okay. I, and I spent the day and I got to meet Dale. And I didn't think anything of it. My wife said, how was it? I'm like, it was just a conversation, Marcy. So what do you think? I said, I, I have no thoughts. I, I'm not thinking about it. You weren't um, looking to change jobs. You I, had a job. No. Um, <laughs> it was an interesting day. There was no job offer on the table. Oh, he said point. he's interviewing. He's seven-time champion. He he needs to go to Daytona. He was asking me about my job and this and that, and I told him, I said, if I ever consider leaving, I'm going to have to give a big, big lead time. I mean, I can't just walk away from this company. 
He's like, I'm going to Daytona and I'm hiring that person and I'm going to have that position filled. And I just want to know if you're interested. I'm like, I don't know. So that's why the December 14th date, I think, is important, right? It's really important. Right. Because Daytona's in February. Let's say February 14th, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Well, he went, I guess the whole thing is they went to the Waldorf. He's seven-time champion. Treese and Dale's been thinking about buying Sports Image. And then they pulled the trigger. So in between, before that, they bought a new company. I mean, they bought a souvenir company. And they bought it from Hank Jones and Joey Tillman. They needed someone to run it. So um, I've been gone now for two weeks. So I get home, and Marcy said, you're staying. I'm going shopping because Santa Claus has to come because I haven't been home. And, and she, so she goes shopping, and um, I get a call downstairs. I'm, I'm, I'm with the four girls, and we're building Christmas Wonderland. And uh, Susie Boggess is playing on the cassette and the girls are having fun and um hey Mattis, what are you doing and and, and music was loud and i said excuse me he said where are you and i'm like hello hello because i was down my basement i go upstairs and he said what do you think you going to come work for me this is 24 hours later <laughs> and i'm like i don't know i didn't really talk to my wife i didn't talk to my dad or the boss and i mean well, I'm making a decision today. And um, I said, are you comfortable with me? I mean, I don't know anything about this. He said, yeah, I am. And um, I said, well, all the parameters, I'm going through all the details. He said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I, I'm going to Daytona. <laughs> don't worry about that. Um, and I said, I don't have a place to live. You live in my lake house. I'm like, how – you know me for 24 hours. I said, where's your lake house? It's on the lake. I mean, and, and, uh, <laughs> How that works, huh? <laughs> and he said, you can live in my lake house. And I'm like, that's weird. You know, just me moving to your lake house. And, um, and I said, my kids are in school. They're going to have to stay to the end of the year. I'm not bringing my kids out and this and that. I need a decision. And either, today's your last day. I mean, here's the bumper. Here's the intimidator. Here's the bumper. Day one of being intimidated. I um, can't imagine this because you had you were not looking to change a job or move out. You know, so I I can't imagine what's like going through your mind. Like, where is this all coming from out of left field? Yeah. I'm 35, right? Um, but I've been. I'm really, really. I'm not known. This isn't as long as a job as I was in. I'm I'm working 70 hours. Yeah. I'm yeah. not home. I got the girls. They made it sound like milk and honey, easy job. Don was selling it. Cindy was selling it. And um, I'm like, hey, maybe it's a better job. I'm 35. And eventually, the garment industry made in America was not being made in America. So if you look career-wise, 35-year-old guy career-wise, four, four daughters, um, you know, maybe it's time. Mm. I had to, like, the phone call to figure out time. So you hang up with him? Well, or you, you I, I say yes to him. Oh, you say yes on the phone? Well, he made me say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he made me say yes. And Marcy comes home about 10 o'clock. Girls are in bed. Um, she said, Every good? everything good? I'm like, yeah, real good. Um, girls are good. Everything's good. <laughs> we got um, the Winterland built. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I said, Dale called me back, and um, she said, what would you tell him? I said, I tell him I 
take the job. And she said, how could you do that? You didn't talk to me. What, what, what do you mean? I said, you're the one that wanted me to take the job. <laughs> well, you can't just, I said, yeah, I told him it. How did you do, what are you going to do about your dad? I mm. said, I don't know. <laughs> and um, so I go into work the next day. Now, this is my dad that spent three years in Mexico. Yeah. Why I took his own On your job. behalf. On my behalf. Yes. And, you know, we're both going to be, you know, major principals, not principals, but, you know, president of the company. I go in, and um, my dad's tough, co-region. He was one of 11 kids. His dad was literally murdered in a mining um, incident when he was three months old, so he didn't have a dad. He got raised wow. tough, and he was raised real tough. Um, and he was tough. He was real tough. Um, I go and tell him, hey, um, I'm thinking about changing. I took a job with Dale Earnhardt. Who? Like, he didn't know who Dale Earnhardt was. And, and he slammed his hand on the desk, and he was saying, you know, there's F-bombs. You, you little ba-ba-ba woke up at the age 35 with menopause. <laughs> and he, and he, slammed, he said, go to F home, get rid of that menopause, and come back here in the morning and get to work. I don't want to see you. Get out of here. Because uh, he was back in Pennsylvania then. And he said, get out of here. I don't want to see you. Um, get rid of your menopause and come see me in the morning and let's get back to work. Came home. Marcy said, what are you doing home? I said, um, I had a conversation with my dad. I said, how did that go? <laughs> well, I'm home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the work day's not yeah. over. And, um, so I took it and, and there are some rough times. My dad wasn't happy for me uh, like six months. He was really, really, uh, upset. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Mm. On that end. So that's how it happened. So And so that's December fifteenth. Yeah. So sixteenth. So <laughs> right. and, and so when did you come down to North Carolina? So I told Dale I gotta wait. Um, I gotta give him at least four weeks notice. Mm -hmm. And he's like, That's not gonna be good enough. And I'm like, It is. He said, What are you doing January first? I'm like, It's New Year's. He said, I'll have a plane up there. You could talk to me the first um January first. I'll pick you up. Let's spend the day January first together. And um, let's talk with Teresa and all that and get going here. Pick me up January 1st. So he rejects your four-week uh, <laughs> well, four notice idea? Well, no. And then he flies me back. Oh, he flew you back. Yeah. And then um, he said, you have to start for the Winston preview. Yeah, which is usually like Two third week of January. 16th. Yep. So um, there's another plane there. So that was my – I closed the office. I um, shut the keys off about 8 o'clock at night. Um and it was sad. I locked yeah. the door Friday. Next thing, seven o'clock in the morning, I'm in Allentown. I go to Winston Salem, and I and I literally land. Bill, who's the the cop that he always had there? Uh, yeah. Um, you just Bill. made me think of it. Yeah, he was a former um, highway patrolman. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, he takes me. And I literally get off the plane, and I walk on the souvenir trailer, and I start selling souvenirs. Saturday, 9 o'clock in the morning. Malcolm. Bill Malcolm, Malcolm. Bill Malcolm. <laughs> and um, I'm at the Winston Preview selling souvenirs off of Dale Earnhardt's trailer. And now the Winston Preview is stacked with NASCAR drivers. It was the thing that you did, you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of fans coming and had the yeah. souvenir trailers there and everything so i mean this is a massive like here you go throw you into the woods yeah, type yeah, of yeah. environment I mean, yeah <laughs> and that was mandatory the drivers come yeah so like from december 13th to january 16th you know um 
I accepted a job in 48 hours, and I'm working a souvenir rig, changing my entire life in 32 days. days, And and what exactly is the job? What is your job title? I was president of Sports Image. President of Sports Image. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you did get a promotion. You went from an executive (laughs) vice president to a president. I mean, that's, that's a step up. And I didn't have to wait a year. And you didn't have to wait a year. That's right. You yeah. know, took a took a beating from your dad, basically. Yeah. But, you know. And uh, how long did your family stay back? They, I wanted them to stay to June. Uh-huh. And because um, it was horrible the first couple of months. I said, stay to June. And, and, she, and Marcy's like, these kids want their daddy. I'm like, don't come down. Because there was times in there, and there was some, you know, there's highs and lows. I'm like, I got to get back to the hangar business. I got to call my dad once again. Um and I wasn't having fun. And she's like, I'm coming down after Easter. I'm like, no, you're not. And she said, yes, I am. She said, they're your children. I'm your wife. I'm coming down. <laughs> so she comes down in you know, April, and she moves into um, the lake house with me. Mm. <laughs> with the poor <laughs> and, kids. Yeah. And uh, so she didn't stay that long. And yeah. she, then she came down. But you know, from that time I was there, I mean, I was literally getting up and going to bed 10 o'clock you know, in the office and just trying to understand the business model and, and the amount of work and energy it was. Did uh, did your dad acquire Sports Image or did he build it from? No, he acquired it. So Hank Jones and Joey Tillman that he spoke of, I don't know how long prior to dad purchasing that they had been in business, but they had been doing all the Earnhardt business. Yes. And that, um, I, I mean, for at 80s, least, yeah. yeah, and sometime in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it was a little building over in Harrisburg and, you know, a couple offices and Hank and, and it was all family. So Hank's wife and daughters and you know sister-in-laws and brother-in-laws and cousin-in-laws and all this it was all family oriented business and um you know at that time in 95 I'm just thinking about the process of what you went through in terms of they would have had to have you know things in place to get to Daytona to get to the Winston preview right so product and t-shirts and and hats and I don't even know if diecast was a thing I don't think it was at that point and um it may have been and um and so, you know, you've got this warehouse and, and like literally we would have these cardboard boxes full of the merchandise and pick, pack and ship and the office stuff and taking care of a few, you know, we had a few account partners at yeah. that point, like a mom and pops or, um, you know, Food City and people like that. So I just can't imagine in between going in and trying to figure out the business and the structure, because at that point when they bought it, they the Joneses and Tillmans weren't involved anymore. And so that was a lot of people that some of the people stayed on board, but a lot of the office people and internal people did not stay yeah. on board. Yeah, it, it lacked So they go lot. into the weekends, and I can't imagine. And if you, if you remember, they bought the business, they bought the inventory. I got a customer list, who are our customers. I got an inventory list. I didn't get many files. Hmm. I mean... Yeah, they it was. I don't think it wasn't a, a they super amicable. Yeah. yeah, situation. They, they weren't happy oh. getting Transfer. bought out. No, yeah. it, it was a yeah. good. It was a. It was a nice. He's Dale Earnhardt, seven time <laughs> champion, and and you're buying the business. Um, he paid six million. He gave him yeah. six million dollars. The control of the business. And, and um, but that was a lucrative business, and it wasn't amiable. Yeah, not no. at all. Yeah, not wow. at all. So the handoff was horrible. Yeah. Do, do either of y'all know when Dale realized there was business to and money to be made in merch? I mean, like I don't know when he would have even started, you know, taking a T-shirt to the track, or like I have no idea what the history of that would have been. But like, do you, either of y'all know that? Was it maybe after his 
seventh championship was it after no. his, you know no it was yeah way it was before, before that. that i mean I, when i think about the tees that you know the nostalgic tees that i have or dale has i mean you know there were t-shirts of the 79 season the 80 um there were old the old gary hargett t-shirts i mean i don't know I, I imagine i don't know but i imagine the process is similar to like what i'm doing with wyatt you know i've got a uh, uh bucket of t-shirts and hats and i go to the yeah. racetrack and i hang one up at the end of the trailer and i hope somebody comes by and wants to buy one you do know? you think Teresa probably yeah. oversaw that i probably yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah. probably here's my take mike yeah i think he was a lot smarter and and, and Teresa as well than everyone else yeah he was very careful to secure at that time the sponsor was getting paid the car owner was getting paid and the driver was getting paid on souvenirs royalty earned and you'd split a third, a third, a third. He was he received all the rights from Goodwrench. I mean, major, major brand, and um, he he didn't have to pay them royalty. Richard Childers just drive my car. He didn't pay Richard Childers. That's anything. huge. So Dale had all these rights, and he also had all these trademarks, and he was trademarking things early in life, you know. And it probably was the '80s and the early '90s because there was the bootlegging part of it as well. Um, mm. and, uh, <laughs> on the bootlegging part, I, I would go to Richmond every year and he'd give me a check and he said, go, go see the sheriff and, uh, give him this check. And I didn't open it, but I give him the check and the sheriff gave me two guys that were huge. And he said, you walk around and you point out what's illegal. And my boys will take care of it. <laughs> and so every year I took <laughs> two guys and, um, we just, I pointed at merchandise and they took care of business. You didn't ask questions? <laughs> well, I just said it's, it's not. We didn't make that because they wanted to have. They looked at every piece, every single piece of item. Um, Teresa and Dale reviewed it. I mean, and so, you know, so we knew what was and what wasn't. And there was a lot out there. And that's why Dale bought the company. There was a ton of merchandise. I mean, he knew the scope of it. And um, it was just too much opportunity not to do that. And other drivers, you go back the original history. Um, Mr. Hendrick in 1986 started Hendrick Sportswear, mm -hmm. uh, and where he had souvenir trailers, and I guess Wild Trip, or his drivers were on it. Um, Carolyn Yates, Robert Yates had theirs. Penske had their own souvenir trailer. Ricky Rudd ran his own souvenir trailer. Hmm. So you had various companies and drivers um, having their own souvenir trailers in the 80s and 90s, uh, and doing that. And Dale had his rights carved out and that's what hank and joey was uh, taking care of with sports image and he just sort of followed what everyone else is you know and, and took over the company and brought everything in-house all the licenses everything was just under one roof and that's that's good control that's good solid business joe why you know if if dale earnhardt didn't know you when y'all met i'm curious on how he trust you or why he trusts you or did he trust you at the beginning to manage his company and his money i always approached it and when, during all those questions i was being asked i was answering from a business point of view from a practical business point of view the hypothetical question you know there's a lot of cash uh, that happens on a souvenir rig how are you going to manage the cash process joe and i said easy that's just a matter of that that rigs a retail outlet and those people hand that cash at the end of the day they need to count it 
and bag it, seal it. And, and this is how I answered her. They need to seal it. And, and then at that point, I take all the money, and I'll sign. I, I took these seven bags, and I took this amount of money. Boom, and I'll sign, and they have that receipt, and I have the receipt. And then we collected all the money from all the other trailers. Then in the morning when we got home on Monday, that bag sealed would go to the bank. And, and this is what I told her. We would, have a, we would go to the bank, and whoever in the bank counts that sees if it matches what the person gave me. Well, how do we know you're not going to steal, Joe? I was like, well, here's how I'm not going to steal. If that bag's open, I stole if the bag's closed, I never touch the cash. This is what you'd say to Dale? I, that's why I told Teresa. You told Teresa yeah. that? I said, if, if every time I touch money is sealed, and the only time I ever touch money is sealed, and I bring it to the bank sealed, then I couldn't have touched it. And they said, okay. I mean, that's, that's how I answered it. But I, that's what I told her. I said, hey, I won't touch it. And she's just staring at me, staring at me. And she's probably thinking, well, why the hell weren't we doing this before? So I never touched cash. I never counted cash. Now, when I put it in, the, when I was working the rig, I obviously touched it. But when it came time to count that cash, the rig operators counted it and bundled it and, and put it in a Ziploc, sealed. So your message to Teresa and Dale, I am not going to touch your cash. Literally, I'm not, I'm not going to ever put my hands on it. It's going to be sealed when I take it to the bank. Yes, 100%. It's sealed. And, and th there was discrepancies, you know, $1,000 here and there where we would count wrong or, or, the, or the bank would double count it. Human error, you know, maybe, you know, whatever was in there was in there. But then that's, that's between I would go back to the rig operator and those discrepancies. And it's just like running a register at a retail store. You know, you have pluses and minuses. You just keep them in line, and you let people know you're checking. So if you let people know you have the tools in place, and my whole thing I kept on saying to Dale and Teresa, it's just us day in, day out having the discipline. We have the tools in place to properly run a business. I got in a lot of trouble, and I got challenged a lot. I don't know why you're coming here. You don't trust us. I said, no, it's not I don't trust you. I'm running a business. And these are business principles we're going to use running this business. That means you don't trust us. I said, no, that's your interpretation. My interpretation is I'm running a business and I got to run it with business principles. So 95's here and I, I know I came to work at some point in that year, maybe in the summer or February. I came in February, yeah. okay, because I was in college and working for a sports marketing company. So, um, and, you know, the big thing in 95 was the silver Winston car. You're on the job in January of 95. It, I mean, that, that had to be the biggest moment. I mean, my recollection of timing is we were in the building in Harrisburg. I think we moved in 96. Um, I remember us literally, like, filling up our cars, full yeah. of stuff to move with. I don't even know how the rest of the move happened, but it was like, whatever's in your office, put in your car. We're going over to this building. We we rented a building from Gibbs, who Gibbs. used to be their shop, and they had moved to, Hunter, to Huntersville, to their new mm -hmm. shop. And um, and we were literally, like, driving over there. But And we'll get through the years, but when did you leave Sports Image slash Action slash what year was that? 97? 97. Seven. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think that's important because there's this two-year span 
where Joe, you've got this new guy coming down from the hangar business, <laughs> being thrown into NASCAR. We accomplished amazing things in two freaking years. I mean, when I think about it, I know it's short term, but it felt like a lifetime of stuff happening. It felt like a lifetime of success happening. And I cannot imagine the the quickness of everything. So talk about yeah, that. Because yeah, how did the silver car come to yeah. be? I mean, it was massive, massive. Yeah. And, and the silver car and, and the Olympic car, Yes, we're great in 96. Yeah, right. we're, we're great examples of the potential of this licensing business. So, like, tactically, I'm, I'm going through and, and, and maximizing that opportunity. I was creating a business plan of how's this sustainable 20 years and how, how do we take Dale Earnhardt when he's at a rate early in you know, 96. I'm like, hey, Dale, we got to prepare when you're out of the race car. Well, I'm not going to be out of race car. I'm like, no, we, <laughs> how are we going to run this business and have it sustainable? And, and that was a lot of my thinking involved uh, because it was pretty amazing. So that whole silver car, um, Fred Wagon also, you, you said about diecast. Yep. It used to be racing champions way back when. That's right. In the early 80s and 90s. That's right. And then action performance came, I think, in 93 before me. Um, Fred was brilliant idea-wise. I mean, really, really uh, uh, big picture idea-wise. So we're in the Rainbow Deli in University um, um, area on 49. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little back at, uh, room. It was Fred and a couple of his people and Don Hawk and I, and we're just sitting there having dinner and um, 25th anniversary, uh, Winston coming up, silver anniversary. And that's where the concept came from, mm, okay. the silver anniversary car. And uh, with T. Wayne being really a major steward of the business. Yeah, so I mean, T. Wayne was the president yeah, of T. Of, Wayne Robinson. Of, yeah, 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 over the Winston brand. Yeah. And, 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 and largely credited for the NASCAR sponsorship. Winston's Absolutely. sponsorship of NASCAR, not just NASCAR Cup Series, but NASCAR Weekly Racing Series. I mean, like, yeah, it everything. was a Winston-branded series. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it should have been, and it was. So that 25th anniversary thing was a perfect tribute to Winston's involvement in the sport. And it was just, I didn't anticipate how big it was going to be. Because is that the first paint scheme that, that we the, did that, for the Winston? That, that, that was the, the very real. first special yeah. paint scheme. Yeah. yeah. That, that was really the genesis of the special Darlington throwback yeah. week. That was numero uno. And that, and that was very, very big. And, um, and Fred with his relationship with Francis Choi and all that, you know, we made stuff happen. And um, we had product, and we had T-shirts, we had hot one hot silver night, yeah. Um, and we had all this apparel, and literally um, the sales were just phenomenal. Um, and Sports Image Kelly ran customer service, and um, Fred's way of going was doing distributors. We went to dealers directly to the mom and pop shops mm-hmm. and some distributors, and um, it, it was good for the industry. Everyone had a bite at the apple, and um, you need those successes to keep everyone healthy. And, and that was good for me to learn as well. It may have been, we moved to that building in 96. We, 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 we did that Winston out of, um, out of Harris Boulevard. No, no. Okay. That's what I thought. We, so that little that's tiny what I was, building. I was telling uh, Mike, um, you know, I mean, the way we worked, we worked hard and you still had the same attitude that you had back then that you have today of, of work hard, play hard. And, um, but I was talking about, so it must've been maybe the Olympic time frame 
in 96 um, when we had the parking lot full. I mean, we were literally out in our parking lot, packing orders, counting, getting pallets. (laughs) Oh, no. We we had like 15 trailers. So that Winston was okay. It was so cool. Immediately, you got to say, what could you do better? You know, how do you one-up that the following um, yeah. all-star race? So at the end of 95, how did you, how did dad think things were going? How did you see success? What was happening? Yeah, yeah. Where, how where, and how much you? money did y'all make on that? Yeah, where yeah. were you? We were making a lot of money. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, that one I, 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 I knew, I knew, I knew the, the financials that I received um, when they bought the company, the customer list, and the other thing was way, way higher. I mean, GM, all the GM dealers, mm-hmm. that was a $10 million account. Yeah. So, you know, we worked we with GM. We sold into all the dealerships. Yeah. We sold Foo City mm-hmm. T-shirts and hats that went into their weekly fly- a flyer, mm-hmm. Snap-on, yep. major corporate business. So we had these corporate, we had catalog business as mm-hmm. well. So we had, we had, and we would do a Snap-on catalog. We would do a GM catalog, uh, a Food City catalog, and then we had a generic fan base catalog mm-hmm. and Kelly ran the call center and all of that. Um, so there was multiple touch points. Um, and so when you had this opportunity of, uh, the Winston, your entire distribution shared in that upside. Now, not everyone goes to Charlotte motor speedway on May to the all-star race. So, you know, we were getting product f- through distribution everywhere and the mousetrap was working. It was growing and, and it was really big. And um, you know, I would give Dale his quarterly royalty reports, and, um, and with that, and I write him a check, and then I'd give him four hundred thousand and um, pay the tax man. You Q one prepaid, and he's like, "Don't take money out. You're not going to be <laughs> borrowing money from me." I'm like, "Dale, I know how to manage the cash. The cash is good. Here's your quarter, quart, quarterly seven digit check for your royalties, and here's four hundred grand. Send it to the tax man. So at the end of the year, you don't have a tax problem." You covering all the bases. Well, I'm, I'm running a business. You're running the business. Yeah. That's how. That's, that's how what I, he wanted. And, and, and I assumed, but let's just go ahead and answer. Kelly asked, you know, is Dell impressed? Is yeah. is Teresa impressed? Are they yeah. going? Are they feeling good? Are they giving you attaboys? What are they doing? Teresa never gave an attaboy. In her life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Beer, beer night with Dale. Yeah, that Mondays. was your attaboy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, nice. And he was always jacked up about sales and all that. So now we get to the, you know, what we're going to do next. In 96. In 96. Well, there's this thing called the Olympics that are in Atlanta. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so I was going to do them a favor, and I get a meeting, and I go down to Atlanta. I go into CNN Center, and that's the Olympic headquarters. And I, and I went up there, and I had this meeting, and I said, we have an opportunity here, and here's what we did in the Winston, and I'm going to bring awareness to you all, and uh, Dale Earnhardt's going to with GM and Richard Childers going to allow you guys to um, be on the car and we're going to do a good job promoting it and we're going to pay you a royalty for it and we're sharing that. And um, that's where you share the royalty. You don't, you yeah. know, we're willing to share <laughs> share with them. But uh, even on the Winston, they didn't get anything, but you know, all that was Dale, 100%. Wait, wait, RJ and, Reynolds? And, uh, no, uh, Dale and RC got that, the car owner and Dale. Yeah, but not, wow. not the third party. But for the um, Olympics... That guy looked at me. <laughs> and looked at you like he was crazy. <laughs> and he said, here's the deal. I don't know where you're from or how big you think Dale Earnhardt is. He said, we've been around a little bit longer than Dale Earnhardt, and this is the Olympics, and this is pay to play. 
Mm. Nobody sits in this office to do us a favor. And um, so <laughs> I'm getting a good spanking. I yeah. deserve You my, don't really have a defense for that. No, or you don't have an argument to make. My ignorance is um, 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 being shown. I said, okay, what's the cost to play? He said, you come back here with a million dollars, and um, uh, and that's a prepaid advance. You know, we, we have to earn that out, and I'll give you a deal. <laughs> I said, seriously. He's like, this meeting's over. Long drive back from Allentown, I mean, Atlanta to, um, I'm like, that didn't go well. How am I going to get Earnhardt? (laughs) (laughs) It feels like the same uh, nervousness or anxiety you would have had about telling your dad you were leaving. This this probably feels the same way of having to tell Dale Earnhardt that he's got to pay a million dollars to play, to to have a paint scheme. (laughs) And he was pumped on the concept. How'd that go? And I'm like, it's going to be great. I I think we're going to crush the numbers. And I, I think, you know, because we have so much lead time, we're going to be in front of it. Um, there's a couple of things. If we had more time, we would have did better. Um, you're going to make millions. So what's next? I said, we got to give a million bucks up front. You dumb Yankee. What the <laughs> heck? A, I mean, I, I have to give a million bucks up front. I said, it's a prepaid against royalties. And he said, no, mm. no. I said, Dale, this is, this is big. And this is real big. And uh, he said, no, that's not going to happen. And so I went to work, and there was a Ravel monogram, another die-cast company. They made the plastic model, and they also made a lot of mass market. And they're out of Chicago. So now you had racing champions in the business making die-cast that had some rights, and you had Fred Wagonhouse in the business making die-cast that had a lot of Earnhardt rights. And I go to Ravel, and they've been trying to knock on our door, knock on our door, knock on our door. And... Um, I go to Ravel and I said, here's an opportunity for this 1996 Olympic, because the Olympic 96 is the call here. And I'm going back and forth negotiating with them, and we're going over through sales projections. I'm like, okay, if I went to Dale, how much could this be? Where would you sell it? What's your distribution strategy? And, and they've been trying to get in and trying to get in, and you know, Dale Earnhardt's worth getting into because they're fighting action, and Fred's trying to be exclusive and, 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 and just monetize everything. And Fred didn't own sports image then right and uh, doing the sales projections and we're penciling this out and they're going to make a million bucks royalties i said okay you got to guarantee me 70 percent of it up front i need a check for 700 grand (laughs) and that's a big checkup normally your guarantee is like 25 percent of projected sales and all that i said no i i just need that i have to pay him a million i don't Mm -hmm. want you to pay the whole million i'll go back and talk dale into giving me 300 grand you just, I need a check for 700 grand before I go to see Dale to do the deal. And they had to work on it and go through their corporation, and they came back, and they just wanted to break into the sport in a big, big way, and what better than the Olympics number three um, car. So um, it worked for them, and it worked for us. And so I got the 700 grand. I go back, and I'm thinking he's happy. <laughs> he's still mad he got it. Pay 300. Check. You don't pay anything. <laughs> I said, I said, if it doesn't work, you can fire me. He said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so we end up. With, yeah. that, he had that idea before you <laughs> yeah, did it, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> so we end up talking into it. And how I was talking to him, not Teresa, because it was his turn to carry that water upstairs. <laughs> um, and that, uh, no, that was just he, he has to take care of business. Paid a million up front. Time and, out. Wait, wait. 
you're refusing to go up there to, to, to <laughs> yeah. tell Teresa you didn't want to. You're like, look, I'll go have many conversations with many people. But that's not, not what one. I'm having. Well, you know, on not beer night, one. you know, when we he was, we we're having good times. Hey, Dale, you got to go to work here too. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't crossing that line. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got to do some All work right. here. Nick. Okay, and um, so it worked. And to your point, now we're at W T Harris Boulevard, and we have zero space. Mm-mm. So what we did is. Um, we we went to action, Dale and Don, and, and had to really talk Fred into it. They manufactured all the product for for the collectors, but they weren't allowed to sell it. We bought all the product ourselves. We 100% went out to all the dealers. We took all the purchase orders, and we and, and everything came into us. And that's where that little 18,000-square-foot couldn't fit it. Mm. And rent a tractor trailer, park it outside. Rent a tractor trailer, park it outside, and and literally the whole backyard, massive, I don't know, eighteen twenty, filled to the top of die cast and everything else. We had a warehouse, so our office, like we had an office space, and I'm just going to say there were tenish. 12-ish offices, mm-hmm. like space for offices. And then we had the remainder of it was warehouse space. And in the offices, however they were laid out, we had as many people as we could put in there. And like in our customer service area, which was, let's just say the size of like three size of offices, we would have like 13 to 15 people in there, just desk, kind of like your predator room now, just desk after desk after desk. She and means producer. That, that's a short term oh, for sorry, producer, producer editor, editor for anybody editor. listening. Sorry. I, don't, you know, I don't hire predators. Predators. <laughs> <laughs> and like the office I was in, we I shared an office with another person. And then I remember, you know, Joe, your office up in the corner, and then around the way there were multiple people in that office. And, I mean, my point is just like where there should have been 13 people sitting, we probably had 30 people sitting and 40. And the same thing with the warehouse. I mean, we had, we would go out the back door of the warehouse to get to these tractor trailers. We parked everywhere and anywhere we could. I mean, it was just, it was yeah. massive. Chaos. Where were people primarily buying this, like, and ordering these things? Is it all at track? No, all of trackside, all retail, all, and retail, mom and pop. The, the retail, everything, it's yeah. all working. Yeah, remember now, you know, the GM business is yeah. flourishing. Yeah. The, oh, the dealerships. The, the, um, the sponsor, Snap On, Food yeah. City. The mom and pops, mom and pops. across the country, um, the call-in, when Kelly's there, 13 people in that little room, they're all talking to customers, mm-hmm. too. Oh, okay. So there's oh, people yeah. phoning in. Or yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, so you got everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what you really want to talk about, what's wrong in today's world. These drivers have this mentality. The only place to get this is on my website. The only place to do this is, you know, exclusivity. I want everyone to have all the products, start the race, go sell, and next year I'm going to have something else for you to buy. I mean, we totally went at it, totally let the sponsors benefit, let the fans, let the mama pops, let everyone benefit. And I'm telling you today, the souvenir business isn't what it used to be by no means, but it wasn't for Dale Sr. and Dale Jr.'s mentality and how we went, and with Kelly there, how we went to market, it'd be a lot worse. Yeah. We've always had this holistic, what's good for everybody. And, and, between there, we got paid money, too. It wasn't like we left money on the table. It was just everything's changed, and it's wrong. It is really wrong. This is Joe's unedited opinion. <laughs> um, and I've, I've stressed that, but mm-hmm. it's not the direction the industry is going. Yeah. So, so we're in 96. Yeah. We're finishing. We go yeah. to the Olympics. Well, yeah. 
You get your deal from, done. From April 1 to um, June 30th, we shipped $27 million out of an 18,000-square-foot building. <laughs> yeah, that's shipping out of an 18,000-square-foot building. 60 tw- days. Yeah, $27 million dollars went out of there. That's big money. Yeah. And, and in an antiquated way. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no robotics, no yeah. automation, yeah. no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pure sweat equity. Do, do, the, uh, do, do the truck drivers work for you? Or are you just, yeah, uh, no, no, we, we have a souvenir trailers. Trailers, yeah, yeah we had. And, and, the, and they're just, and the, it's like, a, man, that's. We that, had four trailers at the time. And, and four trailers yep. and, and a backup hauler. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, we um, had five tractor trailers going to each race. Yeah. And we even had the Nut Brothers across the street. Yeah. The what? Uh, the Nut Brothers. Wayne they're, Hanlon. Yeah, they're yeah. um they're YouTube sensations now. Yeah. Okay. The <laughs> Nut Brothers. Yeah. So you you know you have all this merchandise when you're making this you know inventory is a dirty dirty nine letter word, and um so I needed a place to sell what didn't sell or broken sizes, and uh, it was Wayne Hanlon and an, and another guy in there literally called the Nut Brothers. I forget his yeah brother's name. Yeah. And um, we sold them all our merch. Or excess merch, but then if they need a little bit of help, I gave them a paintbrush hat, I gave them a shark tooth hat, I gave them a bunch of silver cars. I didn't want to put uh, a quality merchandise across the street, but I also had a prime to pump. And 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 like I said, I wanted to take care of everyone. If you're going to take something bad, I got to give you something good. Um, so you know, there's six trailers we literally had on the road, but there was a massive amount of business in a short amount of time, and um, the culture of the company. And the people in it was just do it. I mean, yeah. Nike-ish, you know, um, paraphrased there. But there wasn't complaining. It, it was fun. Work is work. Work is fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, when we're done, we drink a lot of beer afterwards. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was a lot of work. I was just curious about that, actually. I, I, I wonder, moving – I have two questions here. One is how much more inventory did you guys create and then move from 90 90- – in 96 from 95, right? Like, like, yeah. I would assume a lot more inventory yeah. based off of your learnings from 95, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're big on the radar screen of action performance. Okay. Now, now we're really, now you got this $100 million company of Sports Image, which is Dale Earnhardt's rights. Right. Yeah, just, we're just doing just, Dale Earnhardt at this Dale, point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So now I'm planning this model and this business model. And um, Rick Kendrick had this company. He sold the motorsports tradition, Ken Barbie. And Ken Barbie had motorsports tradition, and he had all the T. Wayne's guys, Jimmy Spencer, um, okay. um, Wild Trip, Jarrett, Bobby Labonte, mm-hmm. and, and he had all of these guys. And him and I were thinking, you know, how do we build a better mousetrap? And um, we're working on that, and then we, we started um, the concept of Chase because um, we needed to have that. He was a big mentor of mine. Um, Ken you know, Barbie. Ken. Ken. Yeah. You started the concept of chase, but we yeah. merged sports image and motorsport traditions. We were we we're trying to, okay, and that's where Fred. That's where the action piece yeah. came in. So Chase Authentics was the brainstorm yeah. of these guys, yeah. which was sort of a private label brand for the sport. Yeah, for our product. When I'm thinking big picture, when I'm thinking big picture, I said, okay, we have this distribution company, and, and we're getting to the sponsors, we're getting to the mom and pops. We're not getting to retail. Nutmeg Racing was doing a good job with um, yeah. Bobby Labonte and Joe Gibbs, and they, and they had licenses with that. And uh, so Ken Barwin and I thought we were pretty smart. This is another lesson I learned. So <laughs> we, we fly to Dallas, Texas. We go to Plano, Texas, to J.C. Penney, 
and he's representing Jeff and I'm representing Dale. And we go see the buyer and say, man, we're going to bring you NASCAR. Now, Nutmeg's in there. Already. Right, ready, yep. and, they have a, and we're going to bring you NASCAR. And uh, the guy said, you wasted your trip. You don't have a brand. You don't have a apparel company behind you. You don't have a strategy. You don't hit our timelines. Um, you wasted a trip down here. Go home. So then we're like, okay, how do we get a brand? We're, we're, we, how do we get better? And um, Tommy Ryden was a um, lawyer from Nutmeg, and um, we're going to need them. Without them, without their brains and how they go about it, we'll never be successful. So it was a 15-month conversation where, first of all, we had to set up the concept of Chase. Now, we still haven't introduced it early, early to Dale yet or Gordon. So we're just working mm. through the what-ifs because we, we're, conceptually we're just all over the place. But we knew without Nutmeg or someone like Nutmeg, you we, wouldn't be able to execute. We, we don't it, have yeah. the bandwidth. And, and why is that? Because they were doing. They're they were the, successful with the Gibbs. Well, well no, and because they, of the way retail works. Yeah, that's they, why. they they yeah. do all the stick and yeah. ball sports. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and and they know the retailers' timelines. They know you got to be nine months out. Nutmeg at the time would be like sort of like Fanatics or somebody today, or Nike or anybody that's yeah, in champion. In, yeah, champion. Champion's any of those one. kinds of things. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're they're a major apparel company. Got yeah. it. Majestics. Um, they own. From baseball, they have different brands. Okay, they're professionals. They, they played in the space at the high level. So, so on, on and on and on. We're talking to them about you know Chase Authentics and the concept of starting a new brand. And Tom's like, we have a lot invested in Nutmeg Racing already. I said, yeah, but we're going to be the official trackside apparel of NASCAR. And he's like, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, that's part of our thing. You know, we're going to we're going to um, have that, and that's going to be our brand, and we're going to have top drivers. And we're going to take this from apparel, and one day we're going to bring it into trinkets, and one day maybe our diecast is called. Everything's going to be called Chase. And he said, "Okay, that's that's your mid-tier distribution. What's your mass market? Well, that's competitors' view. So we had two things: you know, one Chase upstairs and competitors' view downstairs, because you have to have brands with different brand yeah, attributes and quality in yeah. retail. You got to talk their language. And um, and he said, "You come back to me when when you're the official trackside apparel of NASCAR." And so Ken and I, um, George Pine, who's been <laughs> with IMG all the way up the ladder, and Billy Seaborn, we meet um, Lake Norman at a, a long corner or whatever. All and, of Joe's meetings involve a, <laughs> a, a beer. food and beer, yeah. food and drink. And, um, and NASCAR, NASCAR always wanted to get their marks on, on your product and get their 2%. Mm. And some people did, some people didn't, but they needed a way to be the league. And NFL gets their marks, MLB, you know, college teams, you know, the collegiate marks, and they needed to get it because NASCAR really wasn't part of the souvenir business. They had their own deal in, in the 80s and the 90s, but they weren't like, they weren't the league. Mm -hmm. other, other people, how, how NFL went to the marketplace, NASCAR was behind, behind, behind. And um, we're negotiating, and, and they've been trying to get it, and they've been putting pressure on us all along because they are the league, and it's Bill France, and everyone has a lot of respect um, um, for Mr. France. So I, I, with George and um, Paul, not Paul. Bill. Bill, Ken and I said, hey, we're going to start this concept, and we're going to give you 2% on all our products wherever we sell, which is a big win for them. They could go back and win. 
The only 2% thing, for NASCAR. 2% yep. for NASCAR yep. and wholesale. The only thing we need is we need to be called Chase Authentics, the official trackside apparel of NASCAR. Mm. No money. Nothing up front. We would pay 2%, which they wanted, and, um, and move on down the road. So that's when it, it really starts. So now we have that. You know, so if we do this, we're going to do that. And um, so I could bring that back to Tommy Wright and, um, and say, okay, we have this. And then more and more we kept on doing it. Eventually they agreed to do that. So, and that's what we're trying with Ken. We're trying to combine motorsports. So when Don Hawk's trying to sell Dale's company to Action Performance, I'm, uh. wor I'm working with Barbie on motorsports tradition and with this chase concept and also with this combining our two apparel companies and to be an industry solution. And um, Fred, mad at me forever because uh, of bringing Ravel in and yeah. doing the Olympic deal. Uh, because that was competitor <laughs> yeah, to him. Competitor. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Fred wasn't happy. Fred ended up Fred firing me. Fred wasn't a Joe fan. Both of these things, Fred ended up firing me twice over <laughs> um, in my career. <laughs> and um, so um, Fred wasn't too happy with me. And then so Don ended up selling our company before we could get the deal with Dale and Teresa. And Dale just wanted – he wants to build a garage mahal. Yeah, he wants yeah. $30 million. Yeah. So this is the time he's planning to build Dale and Hart Incorporated, the and, shop. And, 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 and Fred pays yeah. him $30 million, which is okay. You know, the money Dale paid for the company, he got back three or four times, plus he got $30 million. And plus then he got, got all the royalties. And then he got $20 million um, okay. guarantee and royalties. Let's do a quick recap here because there's a lot of names and a lot of companies and a lot of brands here. Yeah. And, and I'm now just starting to understand all okay. this. So basically, you as the president of Sports Image, which is Dale and Hart's company, has have decided to work with the other companies in the industry. Ken Barbie. Ken Barbie is sort of running the Hendrick Motorsports company. Jeff Gordon, correct. And, and Jeff Winston. Gordon. And yep. Jeff Gordon's now uh, on the scene. And yep. so y'all say, all right, that's somebody. And this is the part, is this the part of the story where, you know, Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon realized they could make money by creating this rivalry or, you know, whatever we call it, business partnerships, something like that, right? Well, yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, at this point where, where we are, you know, Dad is or, or Hawk is negotiating to sell to action. And then while Joe and Kim Barbie were working over here to create this Dell Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon brand thing. So I think what happens is this takes place and then motorsports traditions goes along, yeah. right? Yeah, so Fred, okay. yeah. So that Fred so, has everything. So, yeah. so, so yeah. you sort of, you sort of, but yeah. the way the chips fell, they didn't fall in your favor because away, you, yeah. your, your intentions are you're working on this thing to create um you know a collaborative brand chase authentics but then the company sells yeah and, and fred wagonalls who's already mad at you well uh, yeah sort of is, not is, a fan. is, but, is but, now the owner of the company but yes but at that point in time, <laughs> okay, that's when, a problem for you well no when dale sells it joe's my man and um this I'm, takes I'm, place in 97. 97. Yeah. I'm on the board of directors, and I'm president of Sports Image, yeah. a wholly owned subsidiary of, of action, action Performance. Yep. So I'm a board of director of Action, publicly traded company, and I'm president. And then we, Fred goes on with publicly traded money. He acquires Penske's rights. Oh, yeah. And we help negotiate that. Yep. He acquired Yates's rights. Yep. And he acquired all these other companies, and he's, he's publicly traded, and, and Fred just built it. Same concept Huge. Dahl's going to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now he's doing, and he's monetizing a stock market, and people are, and people getting acquired are making money. So 
there's nothing wrong with what he did. Yeah, I got it. That's yeah, fair. Yeah. That's fair. Huh? My plan didn't involve money. My plan involved, we'll pay you later. <laughs> We're going to build a better mousetrap. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. this is also when your dad is building his D- Dell and Hart Incorporated. Yeah. DEI yeah, headquarters. Yep. So yep. he headquarters. gets his 30 mil yep. for the yep. company. Yep. Yeah. And in there as, as to acquire those rights. And, and, and I think with Dale doing so well, which he, sh- he, he should have. And I think that was a, that was a creative purchase for Fred. Some of those acquisitions, Fred just had to get the rights, and he probably overpaid for some of them. Guaranteeing driver XYZ two million a year when he was only really worth one million. Yeah, or five hundred thousand. Or, or the driver saying, um, if Dale has four souvenir rigs, I want one. Mm-hmm. which was a bad, yeah. bad thing. It so, became a massive, I mean, it became massively chaotic and confusing in terms of egos, you know, who was who, who was selling. You know, we were going into Walmart, and Walmart, you know, um, you know, they wanted, obviously, Dale Earnhardt and, and certain SKUs, but you had to meet certain minimum order quantities and all these things, and then you would have a, you know, Rusty Wallace who would come in and they would raise their hand to say, well, I want as much as Dale Earnhardt. Well, uh-huh. we know that this doesn't sell as much, and but yet this is what they wanted. I mean, everybody wanted to be equal to my dad in terms of everything. Yeah. And it got massively chaotic and egos and all these things came in the way. I mean, we were... We were we were in some very uncomfortable meetings yeah. many times. Well, you're, you're trying to appease everyone. <laughs> yeah. You, you bought their company. You made promises. And now you have to appease them. Yeah. And but it didn't make financial sense. It didn't make financial yeah. sense. Yeah. And yeah. And and that that makes me think of and and this is uh you know this is sort of then and now but you know the economics of like even when we talk today about a souvenir trailer and even back then it was the same thing you know we're carrying these souvenir trailers because I we're going to talk about. <clears throat> how souvenirs change and that business change, but we carry souvenir trailers to the racetrack. You know, there's a lot of cost involved with that. Obviously the cost of the product, so on and so forth. But then you've got the people hauling up and down the road, the travel, the fuel, the hotels, you know, all of those kinds of things involved. And a souvenir trailer, which I think is fascinating, at a break-even point is a million-dollar sales break-even point. Mm. And you're talking about, um, you know, I can't do the quick math in my head, Joe's the mathematician, but, um, you know, I just think about selling Wyatt's, you know, souvenirs and what I mean, I'm making a, I'm selling a couple thousand dollars a year and stuff, you know, and um, the massiveness of what you need to call four Earnhardt trailers versus two Rusty trailers versus one Del Jarrett trailer versus one Bobby Labonte trailer, let's say. We have that same thing today, you know, the same economics exist so when these fans see these trailers out there and they see drivers combined on them or they see brands combined and things like that that's kind of the financial model behind it of why that is you know built the way it is right yeah you go back 95 96 60 70 trailers would park and parking was an all-day event today you're going to have 10 to 12 trailers yeah and 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 there's going to be three different companies on there and, and that. So pure economics and, and today's inflationary thing, you could argue that thing has pushed itself to a million even four. Yeah, absolutely. Break e- even. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it really evolved. Yeah, so 97's here. Uh, we're owned by Action Performance. And so where does where does the rubber meet the road for Mattis? Well, I still believed in the dealer model. Yep. And I, and I believe, you know, the reason Fred bought the company is because our performance and they were heavily into the distributor model, yep. which is lower margin 
and more risk on the accounts receivable side. So you have like, Fred, I, I have 11 customers. I don't want 200. I wanted 200. And then those 11 customers would have to basically disseminate to everyone else. And you start getting inventory issues and they weren't forecasting right. And you just made too much product and there was just, and it wasn't working. And um, I never really bought into, if you bought this company for this amount of money and you, and you bought it based on how we ran it, and it, we just couldn't. I went into Fred one day after 18 months, and I, you know, again, I'm president, board of director. I said, um, after 18 months, I'm like, hey, Fred, a house divided soon falls. We can't have two masters. You got to punch my ticket. He said, you made my day. Mm. And I just said, you got to get rid of me yeah. and because I couldn't take it. And I, I wasn't going to deliver what he wanted. And he was going back to Dale complaining, going back to Don and you know, Mattis isn't listening, and, and you're sitting there as president and board of director, and you got these fiduciary responsibilities. Punch my ticket. Yeah, and yeah. it was interesting. I mean, from my perspective, it was us and them. So, you yeah. know, them were in Phoenix, Arizona, because that's where Action was headquartered, and us were here in Charlotte. You know, and and we all we had a good thing. I mean, we all had a good thing. We worked hard, and Joe was our guy. I mean, we were. He was like you know, just Jehovah to us, you know, we were like rolling around, just following everything. I mean, we were rocking and rolling mm -hmm. and that was a big deal for the employees and for the changeover. Um, for, do you remember Joe to leave? Do you remember how you were told that he was leaving? I think you got us all right there in the company yeah. and told us. Yeah. And, um, and so, and I don't remember, we had a t-shirt um. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Joe made a T-shirt for the no, occasion. No, I Joe, didn't. I didn't make Joe that Joe didn't one. make it. We made the T-shirt, okay. but we all wore it in protest of um, Joe leaving. What and, did, uh, what status, did the T-shirt say? What did it say? Status. You, you go, Joe Mattis. Yeah, you go, Joe Mattis. The status quo was another one. Yeah, you yeah. go, Joe Mattis. And they were black, and they had it on the front. And uh, we, I can remember us being in that lobby, all lined up with our T-shirts on in that area. But um, yeah, it was a it was a really big deal. I mean, yeah. a lot of sweat and tears and. All went into what we did, and, and, and it was changing. Yeah, so it's a good lesson for any business and culture. Yeah. So, actions, Arizona based, extremely doing well, and they had their culture, and that's okay. Yep. And then they came and acquired us, and we had our culture. Those two cultures. That's the hardest thing to do in a business when you're combining businesses, to 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 get that culture and that heartbeat on the same get everyone on the same page you yeah, know absolutely and it never happened everyone on the same page um and it it just is hard yeah yeah and so fred was happy um to fire me <laughs> and um i had a contract and um i had a lawyer called stoke codwell yeah huh. <laughs> he's our he's still our lawyer today <laughs> and so i get my non-compete from fred and um he basically said, Mattis, get on the train, take your kids, and go back to Pennsylvania. And I get my non-compete for Fred, which Stoke looks at. And my non-compete is every NASCAR licensee in the sport and every race team in the sport. Ooh. So you can't go to work for nobody. I can't go to work for anyone. And um, Stoke said, you can't sign this. I said, fine, I'll sign it. I'm out of here. How long was the non-compete? I don't even know. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, it didn't uh, matter. Yeah. It, and oh, Go ahead. So Stokes tell me, don't do it. I said, I, I'm doing it. Because remember this thing called Chase Authentics? Mm -hmm. Fred didn't know about this. Hmm? 
Chase Authentics wasn't meant to be yet. It's just coming. And Chase Authentics wasn't in the non-compete. <laughs> wow. That was still just a concept. Well, no, it was, it was, it was there, but it wasn't above the radar. It wasn't, yeah. a, it wasn't enough to be put on a non-compete, is he, what you're he, saying. He missed it when he called up and got the NASCAR licensee, unless he missed that. So <laughs> we start Chase Authentics officially, and, 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 and there— it, Who's it, we? And you, yeah, who's yeah, we? It's, it's Ken Barbie. You and Ken. Um, certainly um, spent endless hours on it. And um, Jeff had Bob Brannon and Don Hawk on it. And we sat down in front of Dale and Jeff and um, went through the concept and all of that. And, and Dale was getting hearing this. And yeah, I mean, he it wasn't like Dale right, did, yeah. but it wasn't— yeah. It takes a long time yeah. to do it right, and we weren't hurrying— well, and they didn't really know what you were doing. I mean, like, yeah. it was a concept that was new, so it yeah. wasn't like, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. Still, I, the plane's still at yeah. 20,000 yeah. feet yeah. Uh, on this. So, and then we, we said, hey, we got to bring in more people. We got to bring in Rusty Champion and Terry Labonte, Bobby Labonte, and Jarrett. Yeah, we got to just, we got to have this being an industry solution. We know you two guys are the big dogs. And uh, so, you know, we set this price of 200 grand. And, um, Dale and Jeff, instead of paying, they had to you know, start. I wasn't going to give my money. <laughs> it's their company. And uh, so they had 54%, 27% apiece, and then the other four guys sh shared up various ways the other part, and there were the six drivers. And the whole business model had class A stock, class B stock. It was a, it was a real business proposal. And uh, the goal was eventually to be the industry solution forever and ever in the brand and also take it from apparel into Diecasting, everything. Uh, everything in this industry would be that, and um, and we had not made converting over to Chase Authentic. We couldn't have done it without them. I mean, and they, yeah. they changed their brand, and, um, uh, and 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 they were they really educated us too. You know, I I sold into the garment industry, but I didn't understand the industry, um, and uh, so they were extremely extremely um, helpful, and we start this and. Um, it's going well, and we're getting adoption, and all of a sudden it's making money, and we're writing checks back to the drivers. Um, you talk about that publicly traded money, and here comes Fred Wagonall again. Says, mm -hmm. "Man, I love that uh, Chase brand. I mean, I, I love it. I want to buy it." And so you sit down. I sit in a room with Rusty, Bobby, Terry, and all that, and Dale and Jeff, and, and well, we got an offer fifteen million dollars from Fred to buy this. Now this was, you know, figment of really Barbie and Madison's imagination, now it's a company. 18 months later, we're going to have $15 million for this. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, it's too early. What, what are you going to think? You know, it's just the beginning. There's, you know, this is going. When is this? Like This is like 98, 99. 99. Yeah. Yeah, nine, yeah. So this is only like 99. Yeah. And I'm like, it's too early. And well, we're going to vote on it. What do you think the drivers <laughs> voted? They took the money. <laughs> Take the money and run. And um, they took the money. And um, again, Fred told him all he made a mistake. Joe's a good guy. Blah blah blah. He's going to run Chase Authentics. Well, three months later, he fired me. <laughs> oh my gosh, he did. So two things I tried to build, and two things he came and uh, I asked to get fired the first time because <laughs> um, it just wasn't right. Because um, you can't be like, you can't be on odds with the philosophy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so philosophically, um, it was the right thing to do to get fired the first time. Uh, second time bothered me. A lot. Yeah. Then I, I became Forrest Gump. Then I start running. 
And I did. I got into running, and, I, and that's why I don't have back and legs. <laughs> oh, literally, you started running. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. That, that was yeah. The only thing I was so mad, I just ran, and I ran, and I ran. And then, <laughs> and, and, yeah, can't even imagine this right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hold Remember, on. I said pigs and valleys. Yeah, that was a valley. Yeah, it was a big valley. So let me ask a couple questions here. Uh, maybe it's random. Where did Fred Wagonall actually get make his money? I mean, like, where did he? Earn his bones early before he starts getting all this, uh, you know, before action performance. He's brilliant, okay? He's bright and, and he's a real entrepreneur and he's creative. He's, I think he had something to do with Mechanical Bill Bull. Oh, that's right. I think yeah, he yeah, said yeah. he helped invent like he that. he invented. The yes. Mechanical Bull? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh. Yes. And I don't know, but Every you know, bar in America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's one of those. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there's nothing. I think there, he was just kind of that guy that that wheeled and dealed, so to speak. And so you put a little here and got a lot back, and put a little here and got like yeah, it was just that great visionary, yeah, great entrepreneur, yeah. um, very creative, massively energetic. Yeah, I mean, mm. there's a lot of good, good, good attributes. Yeah, of Fred, philosophically, him and I never hit it off, mm -hmm. but that doesn't make him right or me right or wrong. It's just there's two different ways Difference. of going business. Sure. So, yeah, but um, he's a bright guy. Okay, so there's that. Now, I got to ask this question. It might be a hard one to answer. I don't know if you may not want to, but if you even go back to the first sale to Fred, the uh, the sports image company, and uh, and then getting into the chase, like, what are your conversations with Dale? I'm, I'm curious. The same thing, yeah. I, I, I'm curious if you are human, and I would wonder if you felt, or if you took it personal, felt like there was – you know, disloyalty towards you. You, you moved down from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Because, so you, yeah, you uprooted your entire world for this. You brought your whole family yeah. down. You weren't for really given much of a choice. In two and a half years. <laughs> oh, yeah. In two and a half years, yeah. it's not a long Did time. Did you ever think about going back, to, or could you have went back to the hanker business? I, I asked my dad in April of 95. I said, this is a mistake, Dad. He said, you're not starting this again. And no. <laughs> you're not coming back to me no. for a job. And I said, no. <laughs> Seriously. And that's what I'm telling Marcy. Don't come down. It was ugly in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go back to Daytona, seven weeks after I came there and I put in all these new business practices, three out of five of the tractor trailer people quit. People th yeah. threw the keys at me yeah. and said, I'm out of here. Yeah. And we have to go to Rockingham. They're throwing the yeah. keys at me on Monday, walking out of the building. And then I have to go to Rockingham. And um, the fifth guy in the room, Fourth guy was Chicken Chuck Sylvie, and I said, hey, man, don't threaten me. Don't give me an ultimatum. Call me a dumb Yankee. Do everything you can. And he's like, I really love Earnhardt, but I don't know why you hired a dumb Yankee. I'm like, he did. So that's where we are. And then the fifth guy who came in the room was um, Chris Williams. And um, Chris Williams was really, really, really responsible of um, putting the team together. And, and he played a major role in Earnhardt's souvenir business. Um, he went to Martinsville, where he's from, and he went to Danville. And we just hire new people. But, I mean, just think about this. I'm on the job seven weeks, and, and it's three apart. out of five <laughs> people quit on Monday. Um, you know, you come out of that garment industry. My dad told me, don't ever let them know you're afraid. I didn't let them know I was afraid, but when they left the room, I'm like, damn, I'm, damn, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up and, because you weren't received well when you got here. Not yeah. at all. more reason why I'm wondering what, how you felt, and did you even have a conversation with Dale when yeah, all this so stuff go, was Yeah, I want to hear I, about I, that. I kind of, yeah. I was real mad. They didn't have my back across the board. And um, 
a lot of people didn't. And I felt like there was a lot of knives on my back. But you know what? Be a big boy. Shut up. Shut up. Why should I? Dale Earnhardt's an icon. I made the choice. He didn't. So you just went on, went on your way. So that's when that's... I got into that whole depression part of it all. And, um, and I, I wasted a year of my life being you know pretty pretty upset pretty upset and pretty depressed but you're talking about the the second time like the chase yeah. Yeah. 90, that, 99 that, that one hurt 99. that yeah. one hurt 99. what but did the the first one the first one i mean his daughter is working for you yeah i mean it was company sales well i guess he thought you were still running the company so like there wasn't no. really anything to explain well no when he no, when i went there he, they were happy to get me the job as president board of directors and all that that was a business decision he decided to take a lot of money and then he had a big guarantee he's got to do it they had a better offer than i had he's got to do it so okay. he, he so that's okay that's business and then you know trying to get there and work with action i mean um, arizona and all that it just wasn't going to work so something had to change and it was me so, so i had to go you were at peace on that one but the, I wasn't happy, but I had to go. I know, but you were at peace, I think. Yeah, and, yeah I was and, at peace. And then the Chase Authentics thing was still a way to be able to um, work with Dale still, correct? He was part yeah. of that company. Yeah, all the drivers, yeah. All the drivers were. Yeah. And so you and Dale, I'm, I mean, I'm just kind of harping back on, I'm curious about your relationship with Dale Earnhardt I, 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 through just, all this. It's good through all of that Chase. Okay. But post that, then I was done. Did you ever have a conversation with him after that? No. I mean, yeah, hey, Dale, how are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> Um, you know, nothing ever crying. Did you yeah. ever have a conversation with Teresa? <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. 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 There's no crying. Okay. A bit, uh, once again, I lost on business. Um, there was crying, I, though. I, Kelly I, said she, I, there was crying I, the day. I, that was crying. Yeah. <laughs> I was crying when he left. Yeah. I throw all my cards face up on the table. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people I dealt with that didn't play the game fair. Yeah. But you know what? Forget about it. Hey, look where I am today. Well, yeah. Well, we, and, and we'll so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, here. Absolutely. I, I'm here. Yeah. Okay, so for both of you guys, the mid-90s, mid to late-90s in the souvenir business, has anything come close to that, the height, that boom that that was, based off of what I'm hearing you guys say is the the uh, 25 anniversary paint scheme that Dale Earnhardt ran in the Winston All-Star Race, and then the year after the Olympic paint scheme that started this whole trend of special paint schemes that was always reserved for the Winston, right? That was where it was in the 90s. Was any, is there ever anything like that in terms of money made? Only one. Only one. Which when, one? When Dale came, went to Hendrick. Oh, yeah, 2008. Dale Jr. Yeah, yeah. Dale Jr. Oh, yeah. okay. That, so, that's, that's so, only one. Yeah, and my perspective would be, so I stayed at Action Performance from 97 to 2001 when our dad died, and... um in a variety of roles and my perspective is just greed took over we started overproducing, over making you could get i mean sitting here looking at this budweiser number eight car um you could get a car in every color and every finish and race readied and pre-race and sat in the parking lot for qualifying and the version that sat in the shop over you know getting ready i mean you could it just got, you know, supply overran demand, and it just turned upside down. Mm. And it just turned upside down. It, it, exactly it was really happened. bad. And, it was very bad. And it kept on going. Um, when Dale passed away, that was a big boost yeah. to the industry on just the collectability of that. But that was only a Band-Aid in, in a sinking ship. Mm. Um, yeah. Then it got back to losing massive money. And then in 05, for some reason, um, ISC – 
and SMI bought Fred out. Yeah. So Joe goes to work for NASCAR.com yeah. in 2001. Yeah. yeah I, I get a call in either 99 or 2000, come to Darlington and to see uh, Bray Carey. Remember the TV deal, Bray Carey and George Pine mm-hmm. and Brian France. And, and uh, they said, what are you doing? And this is when I'm in the lows, right? And, I, and I'm still trying to run. And, uh, <laughs> Did you run down there? <laughs> yeah. And uh, they said, what do you know about e-commerce? And um, uh, we have to launch NASCAR, a NASCAR e-commerce site. I said, I know business. E-commerce is just doing business in the air. And I didn't know, you know, at that point in time. I said, what's, what's your goals here? He said, well, uh, Fred Wagonoth <laughs> is starting um, um, Go Race. What was that? GoRacing.com. GoRacing.com. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember and, that. And, and he is telling the marketplace he's going to have exclusive Internet rights. Yep, I remember that. And we want you to um, start this and, and launch it before he gets it launched. Now I'm smiling. <laughs> now, now he's got a challenge. I'm <laughs> Get right. game on. All right, everybody, just like Joe Mattis said, it's game on. And we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it would probably be a two-parter. It could be a two-parter. Well, that's now confirmed. This is going to be a two-parter. You just listened to part one of our Business of Motorsports, Joe Mattis, conversation. It was fantastic. But tomorrow, Wednesday, June 7th, we will drop part two. Kelly and I discussed with Joe a lot about the Dale Jr. years and how that impacted the licensing and merchandising game. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that over the years you have spent your hard-earned dollar on a piece of Dale Jr. merchandise. Well, the backstory behind all of that, especially the retirement announcement where Dale Jr. was leaving Dale & Hart Incorporated and going to Hendrick Motorsports, we are going to go deep into that and wow, what a story. So, Part two is coming tomorrow. Part one is today. Thank you so much for listening to the Dale Jr. Download, and we'll talk to you later. Man, I'm really excited to have Ally help us bring the guest segment every week. It's one of my favorite parts of the download. We get to talk to so many different people in racing, outside of racing. But everybody that comes in here, I want them to have had a good time. I want them to want to come back. I want them to feel like an ally to Dirty Mo Media. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the download and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.